What are you watching? Children's programming. You need a clap. Yes, we do need a clap. So, three, two, two, one. One. Okay, this one has somewhere to sink. So, yeah, so welcome everybody to episode number 29 of Children's Programming, the only podcast around. I am your the beautiful. The only one that exists. The only, the only one that one exists. The world. We're the All only the important. We're, we're the only one that matters. It, it's it's the truth. And um, sorry, the uh, 28th episode has not been released yet at this point uh, when we're recording because I'm lazy and uh, not lazy, but I haven't had a lot of time this week to do it. So, Although luckily it will have been released by the time you're listening. By the time you're listening, it will have been released. So, um, so really, you're not missing anything. The order is still going. It's going, it it's going just it. smoothly. Yeah. Um, and our guest today is, of course, the always uh, beautiful the always uh i don't know what what what's some adjectives we can describe brian ryan and jay labuda um abrasive 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 um uh, argumentative uh stylish <laughs> I, I i do like the style you be looking stylish though you know you gotta yeah. especially I, I guess some of your more pish um instagram posts yeah, yeah. kind of like the Sid Vicious thing going on. I dig it. Yeah, that was that was high school. Yeah, <laughs> not but... so much. Got the short hair. Not... <clears throat> I lost the bondage pants. I wear the combat boots anymore. <laughs> He's still got the look going. He's still got like five hundred yeah. band T-shirts just uh, rolling around. Right, right now I'm very skate. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think your look has changed. What? I don't think your look has changed in twenty years. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I'm still wearing shirts from 20 years ago, so. You're still that skinny that you're able to do that? Actually, so here's the thing. When I was growing up in like 98, 99, 2000, the style was big and baggy. You know, you had your Janko jeans. You had large, extra large t-shirts. And I was like the skinny fucking kid, you know, just like rail. Um, but I would buy large and extra large shirts. Uh, so I wore a large and extra large shirts until probably like 10th grade when my friend was like, you can't be wearing that. You got to wear something more stylish. That's, that's not cool anymore. You need to get like, um, a medium sized t-shirt. And I started buying mediums, which I am now I wear mediums, but I'm starting to get a little, little pudgy around the tummy. You know, now that I'm like 35 and metabolism slowing down. So a lot of my old shirts now from when I was in high school are fitting me again. So I, I think wear... this is a golden opportunity to bring back late nineties style. I mean the world needs the the baggy dicky sports with the long soft curly actually, shirts. Got... We need all that back. I got rid of all my dickies. I don't have any Jankos anymore. Mm. You know, now it's just skinny-ish jeans. Not skinny yeah. jeans. Slim, whatever you want to call them. You strike, me as the, you strike me as the person who wouldn't have gone with that person's recommendation and would have worn your clothes more than to just switch to medium. I mean, high school, you know... It You're just, more impressionable then. I mean, I wasn't one to follow a trend. I liked all my t-shirts, but then I did notice, you know, that I looked better with, you know, a medium t-shirt on than, like, this extra large shirt that I was just like, it was like a circus tent. You know, like it was just long and very wide, and just it looked silly. And like, I guess I just got to a point where like 
my friend was like, put this shirt on, take a look at what you look like in the mirror. And I just thought it, it looked more put together, I guess. It looked better. It, mm-hmm. you know, it just wasn't as, you know, stupid looking, sloppy, I guess. You're definitely a child of the 90s, that's for sure. Yeah. Are we all in our hearts? A little bit into the 80s, but we won't, we won't discuss that. <laughs> I, I got to interrupt real fast to see the, uh, the breaking news. What's the breaking news? Um, Lil Wayne has endorsed Trump for president. Oh, wow. In, in today's unexpected crossover episode. Just the week before the, the election. World, the political world combined as Weezy F Baby and the F stands for for President Trump, apparently. Let's get a little political right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is hilarious. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about this, like, fandom. Like, people aren't supporting Trump because they agree with his politics as much as, like, I feel like a lot of these people are like, oh, let's own the libtards. Let's own the libtard cucks. Oh, snowflake. And I think it's funny that they call us snowflakes for, like, you know, not wanting Nazis to eat up gay people and, you know, take away abortion. But they fucking get so upset when, like, Starbucks writes happy holidays on a cup. It really is, like, it's, it's so, so funny. Like, like the, the lack of self-awareness will have to is. be like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the snowflake. <laughs> I think it's, like, it's really hypocritical because they do the exact same like it's the same on both sides most of the time like one side's gonna complain about something and it's just like they're just throwing jabs at each other about who's like more like manlier or more um in touch with themselves than the other it's kind of like that that's just how that culture works i just think like so when you think of a snowflake you think of like this delicate person who's offended by everyone and when you think when you look at like like for instance you know, whatever right-wing nationalist person will post, like, you're not oppressed, you know, uh, I don't think gay marriage should happen. I don't think people should be allowed to marry the same sex. because That's between a man and a woman. And it kind of dehumanizes someone saying, you know, you're gay. You're not on the same level as me. You're lesbian, you're trans, you're whatever. Bisexual, you, you don't identify as a gender. And when you tell someone that they can't do something because of that, you know, just because of their sexual orientation, I think that that's very humanizing towards a lot of these people. It makes them feel less of human. Why don't I get the same right as you? You know, marriage isn't the same thing as it was in the 50s where, oh, you get married, you love someone, and you want to have a kid, and yada, yada, and Jesus Christ, and all this stuff. You get married now basically for the benefits, the joint bank account, being able to buy a house, build your credit, get on your partner's health insurance. It's just, it's, it's a way. And like two people love each other. Like let them get married. Like yeah. what the fuck does that bother you for? It's a weird hill to die on, right? Where it's like, it doesn't affect your life. They're only offended by it because the Bible tells them that it's, it's not okay. Right. Which is, there's a separation of church and state, bro. 
and it's like they're all about they're all about like their own rights like they're about like their their gun rights and you know i don't even know like what else does what else does the uh do the right-wing people even believe in other than well it's like it's it's like what we're seeing right now with the the coronavirus you know what i mean we're like all the anti-mask protests are coming from the right wing of the country you know what i mean i like i i get it like i don't like wearing the shit either but you do it because you're protecting other people it's not about you the whole not wanting to wear a mask thing is just like a perfect metaphor for how that sect of the world of the country reacts to things like it doesn't affect me um and i don't want to help other anything that helps other people is like they don't want to do it yeah shouldn't be political it's just a common decency thing like for people who don't know i'm a healthcare worker um i work in a nursing home so i have to wear a mask i wear two masks a face shield and a gown for like six to eight hours a day it mm-hmm. sucks it sucks and then i go home and i have to wear one whenever i go out to a store it sucks yeah. it's it's not fun for someone you just, just have to do it for yeah. someone outright be like it's my freedom not to. It's like, it is your freedom not to, but like, that's some selfish bullshit. And you need to just put a fucking mask on for 20 minutes to go in a store. It, it's to protect other people. It's mm-hmm. to protect, like, if you have it, do you really want to have the guilt, like, that you spread it to someone else? Like, my girlfriend Emily was telling me that someone had a wedding, people weren't wearing masks, and then everyone at the wedding got COVID. I'm not sure if it was everyone, but people at the wedding got COVID, and then they spread it to other people who eventually died from it. All because he didn't want to put on a goddamn mask. And that's just, like, silly shit. And this is just the right side reaching for things. I'm oppressed because they want me to wear a mask. I feel like this is the perfect segue into one of the things I really wanted to, to discuss this week, one of the big news stories. Brian, I know you're not really a sports guy, but this is not really a sports topic, even though it takes place in the sports world. So um, yeah. the Dodgers, of course, won the World Series recently. Um, come from behind, win in Game 6 over the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, in the middle of the game, Justin Turner, one of their players, found out that his coronavirus test came back positive. So he was removed from the game. He goes into like an isolation room. But after they win the World Series, he can't, he comes back out on the field and celebrates with the team. And, you know, of co- obviously people weren't really having any of that. Got a lot of shit for it. The Dodgers have gotten a lot of shit for it. I'm not saying this to absolve Justin Turner of anything. I, you know, he was absolutely wrong to be doing that. You don't get a positive test and then go out with people and, in you know, with your team. I, but here's the thing. I understand it from the standpoint of like you get caught up in the moment. It's like temporary insanity in a court case, right? Where like, yeah. you know, you're overcome with emotion. He's like, I want to be with my guys. So you can't do that. He's wrong. I'm not absolving him of guilt. But Major League Baseball's response was horrendous. Although this should never have been allowed to happen. First of all, how, why are you sending the, the results to Utah? You can't find a lab in Arlington, Texas, where the World Series is happening to get these samples back. Why is it taking a day? Why is he in the lineup at all with an inconclusive test? Why is he not forced to not go on the field? Like, it, they, 
they dropped the ball from every perspective. His initial response to it was that, like, oh, it's unforeseen circumstances. We won the World Series, so obviously I want to celebrate. And also, like, he was in contact with everybody, like, before that anyway. Well, that's the reason I don't think they're mad about it, the Dodgers organization. No, because it doesn't really affect them. But then all the family members that were there to celebrate with the team and the broadcasters and the news reporters who were there to to interview them. There's people that weren't with you all. They weren't quarantined with you to begin with. So where does that where does that line get drawn where like I obviously get that you want to celebrate, but you know, even he even he came back on the field and he took off his mask while he was taking a picture with um their coach Dave Roberts, who had some serious uh, health problems in the last decade. Well what they tell you is that if you're wearing a mask and the other person's wearing a mask and you're six feet apart, your chance of getting it from someone who's infected with is like Really, really small. But if you're taking your mask off, the whole reason for the mask, the six feet apart, is that it's supposed to be the greatest distance you could be to someone with you both wearing masks where your chances of getting the virus is like the lowest. Um, but still, that doesn't mean that you can still, you know, go up to someone without a mask on if they're uncom- uncomfortable and start breathing in their face or even like, getting in someone's personal face with that mask on, without that mask on. Um, so I was going to say that, you know, if he came out from you know, wherever he was quarantined with a mask on and stayed that six feet away, that probably would have been received a little bit better than him taking his mask off and then going in with everyone, especially after just realizing that you tested positive. Because chances are those people, on the team are in good health they might not have any health problems coming from contracting the virus it might happen like what happened with me when i contracted i got sick for 14 days and then i got better and i went back to work but Mm -hmm. it's the fact that like you can spread it to someone else who can then bring it home to someone who's immunocompromised someone who has heart problems someone who has breathing problems and you that's the thing you just don't know no you don't and 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 that's that's why i that's why I feel like Major League Baseball is really even more so than Justin Turner. I think baseball itself is who's at fault here because this should never have been allowed to happen. Once the once you know for a fact that the guy has the virus, why is he not then removed from the stadium and brought back to the hotel? And why is he allowed to just leave the room when he's supposed to be in quarantine for this? Like, yeah, like apparently he apparently security the security guards told it now. You and me, Dixon, we've been to baseball games. We've seen these security guards. These are huge guys. They're, they're know, pretty bulky men. Ex-cops, ex-military, a lot of them. Apparently, like, from what has been reported, is he just went up and said, hey, I'm going out onto the field. They're like, hey, maybe you don't do that. He's like, well, I want to be with my team. They're like, well, okay. Well, like, you don't want to be the cop that, or you don't want to be the security guard that tackles Justin Turner and breaks his arm. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, they should have put a little more effort into being like, hey, you know, you don't want to, these are the protocols we're supposed to be under. There's, you know, there's there's no reason for you to go out onto the field at this point. Or at the very least, he should have st- kept his mask on and not gone around and taking pictures with his mask off. That was a really bad look. It's yet another reason I think that Major League Baseball is at fault because he's, Justin Turner, it, like I said, Justin Turner is wrong. I'm not absolving him of blame. But he's a prisoner of the moment. You know, you win the world's. His life's goal has been accomplished. 
you, you become a prisoner. Well, that security guard's life's goal hasn't been accomplished. Rob Manfred's life's goal hasn't been accomplished. Baseball executives' life goal hasn't been accomplished. Nobody had the forethought to think that, hey, maybe the Dodgers win tonight and this guy wants to come back on the field. What do we do? Nobody had the forethought to think that this might happen. It like, did happen in the middle of a game, so I, I will give them that, that it did happen mid-game, so they might have had not a lot of time to plan, but they could have known, like, hey, we're gonna, we, there's a slight chance we might win this game tonight. At least, you know, explain to him, like, if you guys win, you can't go on the field. Like, if there was nothing said to him, I mean, and also it was also said that he was one of the big proponents of telling everybody on the team, like, we have to be safe because anybody on this team gets sick, we're not going to have a chance at a championship. So, like, it's a little hypocritical that he's the one who is saying that, yet he's the one who could end up becoming patient zero for a super spreading incident, you know, in the severe, in the, in the more severe um, outcome in this situation. Devil's advocate with this. Um, I don't really like doing this, but you can see, like, maybe, because since he already he got swabbed before the game, right? Yeah. So, what might have happened was when he got the thing back, they might have just been like, you know what, like, you already exposed yourself to everyone. Go out, celebrate, you know, whatever. That might have just, I would. I don't agree with that. I think, I think that his results weren't back, he should have not been allowed to play. Period. I think you're totally correct. I imagine that was the thinking of the Dodgers team. It was like, we were already around this guy all day yesterday, all day today. But why were they around him to begin with? Because I feel like the point of the test is to make sure that you don't put yourself, you don't put players in a circumstance where they're going to get affected. So why, why did they play a game when everybody's test it, results it, hadn't come it, back yet. Test. That's the thing. I don't, I don't understand. The, the, lack of, the lack of a conclusive test makes, it, makes the concept of going to play a game, like what's the point of even having the protocols if you're not going to have the test result before the game? You know, they can get it in the middle of a game, like when they're, you know, from another team and get in contact. And, you know, even the slightest bit of, of contact with somebody could cause, you know, a super spreading incident within the league. And you it's know? not like we haven't precedent for this already in the sports world. I mean, Notre Dame earlier this year had players on their sideline who were clearly sick, and then the next day it turned out that they had the, they had the virus and they had played a game with it. And all of a sudden, a week later, multiple people from Notre Dame, and I forget who they were playing, whether it was North Carolina or somebody, and multiple people from that team tested positive too so it spread during the game once again baseball should have had the forethought to know that something like this might happen and to have steps in place to prevent it but they didn't care and i don't really know why they didn't care because it's such a bad look now my question is how does uh, how does the justin turner apology tour begin how is this going to, how is this going to start is it going to just be one tweet where he just apologizes for the incident but then says that he wanted to celebrate. That's probably what's going to happen. Then, you know, it, it's the same thing with all of the apology tours. He'll, he'll apologize and say he got caught up in the moment and all of that. And it'll be true. And then his teammates will be like, listen, we got our guys back. You know, oh, we forgive him. And then nothing will come become of it ever again. Um, the only way I think that 
this could have like real negative repercussions for his career is if somebody really close to the situation gets really sick and dies. I think that's been and the then, situation with everybody in the league. Like the only thing that would have stopped them from finishing the season would have been somebody dying. That was the only risk they would have. That's basically the only thing that would have stopped them because there's no other risk other than a couple people getting sick because they still want to make the money for the year. And, and absolutely. And God forbid, I don't want anybody from the Dodgers to die. But if somebody died, that's where you would see his career take a real hit and his, his public mm. perception take a real hit. But if, if nobody dies, if there's, if there's no other cases or if there are a few other cases, but everyone's okay, then he's going, Justin Turner is going to be, all will be, all will be forgiven in the eyes of the baseball. I don't know how to feel about it because like, it's still hypocritical to, to be all gung ho about it. But then I wonder how he got it to begin with, because if he's like being safe, like everybody says he was, then, you know, you just never know. It's like, it's like Brian was talking about before. You just never know. Cause somebody else in the, in the, in the team would have had to have coronavirus in order for him to get like, other than his, I don't think he really sees anybody other than his family since they've been quarantining in Texas. The false positive. But there have been false positives. I've seen them where I work, where someone tests positive, and then they give them two more, three more swabs directly after that, and three swabs are But because he had that one positive result, um, they got to be quarantined for 14 days. Either so way, I think, be- I think still the, the message is, is going to come across weird to people. Yeah. So. Uh, the funny thing with celebrities, like athletes, celebrities of any kind, is that basically, like you guys were saying, they'll apologize. That'll be that. I mean, mm-hmm. Matthew Frick got drunk and killed two people in the 80s. I think it was him. And, you know, that didn't affect them at all. You know? I don't remember the example I, don't, I always use on the show, Dixon. I don't Mel remember Gibson. it being that severe. I think it was Mel an Gibson accident. I remember the Matthew Broderick situation being an accident. Might want to check that. No, it was. Was. Yeah, it was. I don't think it was something that was um, as a result of. Drunk. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Mel Gibson is still around, like I said. You know. Charlie Sheen, the uncancelable man. Yeah, Charlie Sheen, another one. That tiger blood. As we've talked about many times before. Um, so Brian Who is the most uncancelable person. Is it Charlie Sheen? Is it um is it Mel Gibson? Might be Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson because Mel Gibson, you know, said didn't he say like the Holocaust that didn't happen or some shit like that? I don't know if he had, there's been rumors that he said that. Um, I know when he got arrested for drunk driving, he said Jews are responsible for all the wars in the world. Oh, that, yeah. was a, that was a big one. Yeah, great guy, great guy. Yeah. He, no, said, he said this to a cop who was arresting him for drunk driving, just unprovoked. So who knows yeah. what he really thinks. And so, yeah. Now he's he's obviously saying what's he's thinking on his mind because there's no filter anymore. Mm-hmm. When you, yeah, I mean he he used um there was that tape of him yelling at his girlfriend where he said that if she got raped then it would be her fault. That was yeah. a, that was a thing that happened. He That's used classic. racial slurs on the same tape. You know, wonderful man. By the way, the Matthew Roderick situation—he was not intoxicated. 
Um, he swerved. He swerved into the wrong lane, and was knocked unconscious. So he was not. He was not intoxicated. That's probably why he recovered. But yes, he did kill. He did kill a man, but he did not do it intentionally, or with malintent. So, um, Brian, I had a topic I wanted to bring up that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and that's the, um, you're a man who has a very big collection of, of tapes and you're a, a vintage man, as we know. Um, for those of you who don't know, Brian has the most in, an impressive collection of, of anything I've ever seen in my life. Uh, our tapes and, and band t-shirts and, and the works. And my question to you is, um, what's your thoughts on people? I guess you could say, you could kind of call it like people call culture vultures. Like they just take advantage of the culture because it's the cool thing to do. And also people who are, who pretentiously love films for that particular reason, just because it's the artsy thing to do is to like something. Well, what I've been seeing as couple years is VHS tapes have been skyrocketing and that means everyone and their mother is out to make a buck and one of the VHS groups I'm in all it is all day long is people posting Disney tapes about what's this worth what's this worth how much is this $500 and the Beauty and the Beast the Disney tapes are just not worth anything they made millions billions of these tapes even the, the supposed penis cover of Little Mermaid, they recall, they did a recall on him when it happened. I, I was alive for this. I remember when this happened. Basically, the recall was, you know, they sent the tapes out to the stores. They recalled tapes that were sent to the stores. This movie had already been on the, it's one of the biggest you know, Disney movies ever made. So Little Mermaid comes out on video. It's got the penis on the cover. No one notices it yet. They sell millions of these tapes before they go okay we're gonna recall them they only recalled the ones that were still in the store you know so it's not like everyone was forced to hand in their tapes and then they were destroyed and now there's no little mermaid dick covers left there's billions of them out there and you know that's one of the tapes where people are constantly like this is worth a ton of money oh my god i found a dick cover little mermaid I have like, always hated that because, like, when I, back when I used to collect games, like retro games, it was always, I was kind of in that transitional period when I collected, like, you know, kind of the, like, 2010, like, 2015 range, so games were starting to kind of up their value a little bit, but it became to the point where anytime you would go see, find games in the wild anymore, people always wanted an exorbitant amount of money because people assumed... You know, and then when you see these games appear on like Storage Wars or Pawn Stars, you know, when they appear on mainstream television and people see like they hear Nintendo or they hear, you know, like something like some rare Disney tape or one of those like trash articles that says, oh, these 10 VHS tapes that might, you know, might be able to pay your college off or something. Um, That's always a classic, right? Yeah. Like the clueless guy goes into the pawn shop with um he goes on pawn stars like his copy original copy of duck hunt he's yeah. like oh yeah this is gonna be billions of dollars the big hoss has to tell him that it's worth like five cents my favorite um 
my favorite moment from that. Let me let me continue what I was saying though. Like that's what really got me out of collecting is because of how annoying it became with people thinking that you know Nintendo games were worth so much money when in reality a lot of them are pretty common. Like there were millions of these games printed, so even like some of the common titles that are really good, like they're you know things you want to play, they keep their value on a lot of the time just because you know people artificially inflate the value by by it having a name like i would go out and it was weird though because like i would go out and look for games and i would see mario for 25 dollars, but i would see a game i knew was a little more valuable that was only selling for like five dollars because nobody knew what it was so it's kind of that name recognition thing like when people see something that they they recognize they automatically assume it's it's got more value than it actually does but really it's the opposite thing because if you know it that means there was more produced exactly and like the VHS tapes. So VHS tapes that I've been getting going for a lot of money now. Our tapes were like, even just last year, they were selling for five, ten dollars. Like one of the big ones is this movie Chopping Mall. There's Reanimator. There's uh, the Halloween tapes are starting to get up there. Friday the 13th tapes are starting to get up there. Like tapes that are not really considered rare. Like these were big movies that were popular in video stores. And people are spending like sixty to one hundred dollars on these tapes that like shouldn't be more than ten bucks, mm-hmm. and it's because people are jumping on a bandwagon. This is what I think. I think they're jumping on a bandwagon. Their tapes. Not everyone's heard of Chopping Mall, but if you're into horror movies, you know what Chopping Mall. Um. So people are like getting this nostalgia kick. Oh, I'm gonna buy a bunch of VHS tapes. They're going on eBay. There's twenty people bidding up this tape. To ridiculous price me personally in the past four years i found probably like five chopping tapes um just by going on craigslist and just buying oh this person has like a box of like 20 tapes for sale for five bucks go you buy the box look through a chopping like a lot of these people just don't know how to look and a lot of people are like well i want it right now so they're they're willing to go out and spend that 60 bucks on it so they can have it right now and if you just wait, you'll get it. I bought a $500 tape at Darkside Records in Poughkeepsie for 75 bucks, you know, because I waited and I didn't go on eBay and I didn't shell out 500 bucks for it. You know, wait, go around, look where, look at, look for things. You'll find them. Go to flea markets, you know, go to thrift stores, go on Facebook markets, go on Craigslist, go around, look, thrift whenever you have the chance to. And you'll find what you're looking for eventually. You, you don't have to have everything right now. And that's what's driving prices up. It's one COVID, two, those $1,200 checks everyone got, and three, just people being impatient and not wanting to go out and look. Oh, I don't want to drive around. You wind up spending that much money in gas driving around. No, you don't. You're driving to the mall, you stop by a thrift You're going to see your aunt, you see a Goodwill, you pop in for a second. You know, see what they got. Not you just never you. know. You never know. No one's asking you to drive around forever looking, going out of your way to go to a thrift store. You know, and even, if, yeah, and even if you do drive around, like, sometimes that's fun. Like, you know, you just drive and you wait, you see a place, like a hole-in-the-wall place in the middle of nowhere, and you're like, holy shit, you know? Like, there's a, I was telling you about the, pawn shop or whatever it is in ellenville they've got like a whole bunch of dvds there and i go in they're like a dollar each i'm like 
I go in and there's like it's mostly shit, you know. But like every once in a while, there's some good stuff in there. I yeah, got, I uh, I got more movie from there. I got Borat from there. I mean, which Michael Moore movie did you get? Uh, Capitalism: A Love Story. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was saying there's like five million copies of Fahrenheit 9/11 out there, so it was it was a really common yeah. DVD seller in its day. I just got really you know, discouraged with, with looking for stuff in the wild anymore. Cause I used to go to yard sales all the time. And I think maybe in the probably five or six years, I went then to them regularly. I never really found anything really valuable in my mind. But, you know, even recently when I started selling them all, it was like, you know, some of the stuff that I'd bought for $5 now was selling for $90. It's like, you know, that, that I, I, I don't, I don't, whenever I go, flea market i don't go there with something in mind i go there and i just look and i'll find stuff i'm like oh this is interesting or oh this looks cool oh wow this person just tapes there's a VHS tape i've been looking for for a while there's a couple cds i want you know i never go out specifically looking for anything you know you drive past a yard sale you see that they have electronics you go you find an atari 2600 for 10 bucks you know Sometimes you go somewhere and you don't find anything. I'm know? just wondering when that when that drop off is going to be when there's not any there's there's not enough left of of things that we enjoy um, in the wild anymore. Because even like Goodwill stores now they're getting to the point where they're only selling VHS tapes for like fifty cents. With that though, Goodwill is still selling VHS tapes, but they're auctioning them off on their auction website and on yeah uh, yes yes that's scummy shit. Because Goodwill is supposed to be for people who don't have a lot of money. You know, go there, buy some clothes, buy a stereo for cheap. That was mm-hmm. the whole point. But what happened was, you know, you got all these thrift shows online. Oh, wow, look at this wicker basket. I could repurpose this for, you know, yada, yada, a yarn basket or whatever. Oh, I just flipped this for $5 basket for, you know, $75 because I painted a bird on it some shit like that. And I think that a lot of the thrift stores caught on that it wasn't, you know, people who were really aching for, you know, clothing or money or something like that. And now these thrift stores are like, you know what? We're going to make a profit off these like hipsters, these rich yeah. people who come in here. Also like some shit. of the people that worked it's at the store, uh, sometimes there would, you would get a guy that would work at the store that knew what he was looking for. So we'd always sift through things. So like when you know, a lot of the times when I go to Goodwill, I wouldn't find anything because the guy that worked behind the counter was like nobody was looking for. So you know the only games you'd find were like sports games. Like I think the only time I ever found anything decent at the Goodwill uh, in Vale's Gate was I think I found a Game Boy in the box once. Um, but that's probably the only good thing I ever found there. The best uh, yard sale find I ever had was I found a copy of Earthbound uh, for the Super Nintendo for two dollars, and I sold it for one seventy five recently. So. Yard sale and I actually spent twenty bucks on an SNES. And that's uh, not a Genesis bad deal at all. Years ago, mm-hmm. I was still in college. Yeah, you know, they had it there and it was awesome because I went there to the yard sale and she was like, "Wow, a lot of people have been contacting me. You're the first person to show up, though." So twenty bucks, and I was like, "Okay," and I took them and I fucking headed out of there before like some like video game nerd came yeah. up and was like, "Give you thirty and then another you know, person." 
you know what was weird about that one find I had is that I I went and looked on Craigslist. That's how I found the yard sale. But I got the date wrong. So I had gone to the yard sale the day before it was supposed to happen. And uh, they were setting up. And they're like, oh, it's not till tomorrow. But oh, you can look. We were just setting up anyway. So I start looking and then I see this. They had basically, I, I'm regretting that I didn't buy the whole thing now. But they had every single, like, Super Nintendo RPG in in that one box there was probably at least a thousand dollars worth of games in that box at the time um 20. yeah yeah i mean i wish i had the money i had now yeah. back then because i would be able to buy the whole thing and uh but the flip culture i understand like people want to make people want to make a profit it's 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 there it exists but yard yard sales are so great i mean i found uh Remember what I found? Now you know at a yard sale. I can't believe you found that the in the Jeff wild. Anderson yeah, the, the only Jeff Anderson directed film you found in the wild. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know who would ever buy that. <laughs> I bought it. I mean, clearly you did. Yeah, I bought it for fifty cents at a guy's yard sale, and it had a being John Malkovich thing. And the, the, the little remember how the old DVDs had like yeah, they had like an advertising inside with the scene selection and mm-hmm. all that. It was now you know that I opened it up, and it was the now you know disc, and then like the sheet was being John Malkovich. Like, how did this get here? Yeah, you'd have like trying to find one that has. Could you come up with two more diametrically opposed films that come together in one box? Yeah, you have your little like. Wouldn't it be nice to have this again? Have the little you know, have the little thing inside. But you know, as you know. I was going to say, Blu-rays, I buy Blu-rays not for the picture quality, but for the special features. You know, the audio commentaries you can use. Well, the only company that does that well anymore is Criterion, of course. The, but there, there's some other company, and, Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, and Shout Factory Vinegar. and things like that. Shout Factory is good. Vinegar Syndrome, though. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Arrow, too. Arrow's good. Arrow's phenomenal. Brian, you gotta, you gotta pick this up. I just got this. Rats. They restored awesome. mall rats on an Arrow release. Get that. It's quite a it's quite <laughs> a good one. Uh, I haven't actually watched it yet, but I think it's uh, I think it's going to be pretty good because I think they restored it. It's kind of rare they would restore something like that, but yeah, you know. Also, not for nothing. I mean, um, Warner Brothers put some decent effort into their release. Still, they're probably yeah. the only big. Universal is, is the worst. Universal has the least creative like. Menus and everything that it comes all, included. Yeah, they all have generic menus. Yeah, they have. They don't have. They have the only bonus feature is previews and deleted scenes. I don't even know why they bother Disney's putting previews on movies without, anymore. Though. Disney's gotten really bad. Yeah. Have you seen like the new Marvel releases? It's like the movie only. That's like they don't even the have any. <laughs> Especially if it's the DVD, like, it's only the movie because nobody really buys the DVD. Yeah. Like major labels and like. They treat horror fans like shit. There's like a lot of major labels, you know, MGM bought out like, like American International Pictures run by Roger Corman, who was like the biggest beat producer from like the 50s to like the 80s. Um, all these bigger companies bought out all these smaller independently. They're kind of holding all these cult movies hostage. And then you know, all these horror movie people will start petitions and send them to like Warner Brothers and Columbia and New Line and all this stuff and be like, yo, release this. And then they'll release it and they'll just like have a shitty 
chest transfer of it in like the wrong aspect ratio with no special features. They just like they just treat you know those people like those genre films like shit. Yeah. I feel like and like remember if they, when, yeah. yeah, like remember when like stuff like DVD the read cap that's like a play button. Like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> and I hate how they like they push a lot of trailers into the into the unskippable portion of the of the movie. Like it's not that much of a thing with Blu-ray anymore because you can usually skip through everything. But it just became like an annoyance. Like back in the day, like you couldn't skip the every time you wanted to watch the movie, you had to watch all the ads. Um, Vestron Video from. Vestron Video, there was this other company, United, another company, VCI, back in the 80s. They had trailers on their tape, but they put them at the end of the movie. So Yeah, I remember when you used to watch some, uh, I think some older cartoons used to have that. They put all the trailers at the end. Yeah, but the worst was Paramount. Paramount, New Line Cinema, all those major labels, they would just pile on. remember uh, Remember the Paramount intro on a Paramount tape? Little now, now your feature presentation. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, but you also asked a question about art films. Yes. So, like, what was the question? Um, you know, what's your opinion on beautiful art house films such as Hapon or something like that? I don't know, like the the like the you know the artsy people, the uh, the Wes Anderson types, if you will. So there's art films and there's art films. There's art films like Eraserhead and like, I mean, they're not really art films. They're more like like those indie films, but people mm-hmm. call them art films because they're done a little bit more stylishly than others. I like those movies a lot. I don't like mainstream indie movies. Like, like Juno's a good movie. But I wouldn't consider that an indie movie. Uh, it's only to- indie in the sense that it was made on a small budget. Yeah. Like, like, other than that, it's still a pretty... Right? It's, it's still a mainstream. It's, it's made to appeal to the mainstream. I do, I do movie reviews for my buddy's podcast out in Kentucky. And last week, I did Lost in Translation. And this is the one movie I despise. I saw it when I was in theaters. Hated it. Um, so, like, when I was doing this movie review, I decided to, like, actually look up facts to, like, prove my point. That movie, they, I think they made, these are not the right numbers, but, like, they spent, like, $4.5 million making Lost in Translation. You know, which is a lot of goddamn money. Maybe not for a big-budget studio, but $4 million is a lot of money. They made like eleven million dollars on it, so they more than doubled their money, their profit on it, and like, it's not an indie movie to me. It's got Bill Murray, it's got Scarlett Johansson. It's filmed in Japan. Indie movies are not that. Indie movies are, you know, crowdfunded now. Back in the '80s, they used to look for tax shelter, tax write-offs. They would go to like. You know, they would go to the accountant down the street and be like, I'm making this movie. Do you want to invest in it? I'm making, go to the lawyer's office. I'm making this movie. Do you want to invest in it? And they would have all these producers and all these investors to fund their movie. That's an indie movie. 
You know, Century Fox, instead of spending $15,000, million on a movie, spending $4 million is not an They're basically just oh. cutting the amount of actors they put in the film. Just like, let's get like one or two, maybe sort of like a really well-known actor. And then, you know, in that, in that instance, like Scarlett Johansson wasn't that famous at the time. And you get them to kind of work together. And then most of the movie's budget is just paying for Bill Murray. Yeah. So. Well, here, here's, here's, here's a great way to compare it using things that Dixon well knows. Ooh. Right? Clerks is an indie movie. Chasing Amy is an indie movie. Yeah. But I, but I, love, I, mean? but I love Chasing Amy. It's, it's, it's good. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I love Chasing Amy as well. It's in my top ten all time. But. You know, it's 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 a Miramax film. It kind of okay. Maybe maybe uh, Chasing Amy isn't the best example, but Chasing Amy you know is an I'm indie movie. Coven yeah. is an indie movie. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's an indie movie. <laughs> That's the definition Rusting of an indie movie. Legend, Mark Orchard. Oh yes. Oh yes. I, I want to make more movies. You want to make Mark more movies? Orchard? Yeah. Oh, you want him to make more movies, Brian? You know, I was on the phone with him the other day. Really? Yeah, we we had a, a confidential conversation about something. So, stay tuned. I wish. I'm trying to my garbage. I forgot to take out. No, I left my garbage down. <laughs> I can um, neither confirm nor deny why Dixon has been talking to Mark Borcher. Yes, I, I cannot confirm nor deny it either. But um, we had a we had a nice phone conversation. He's exactly he's everything that you would have imagined. Um, he's quite the character. I tried a Living Dead book. Begin what are talking about like sending him to collections. <laughs> yeah, we we could talk about it after the show. But um, yes, I did speak to him. He's quite okay. he's quite the character. <laughs> Just wanted to mention that because I know you're like the only person that would appreciate it. Yeah. yeah so that 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 American movie is an indie movie. I yes, think it that's is. Indie. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's like it's indie because like I I see a movie being defined as indie like when the studios don't really give it that much attention after it's released. Like it was a really big hit at the Sundance Film Festival in in '99, uh, and then all of a sudden it just it, it never really. It, like it has its cult following like weirdos like us but obviously it's not it's not as well regarded in the mainstream sense of documentary as as other films are you know like the super size me's or the hoop dreams if you if will if we compare it to if we compare it to music right like mm-hmm. some uh, some something like coven or works or you know those real indie movies where you're making it on a shoestring budget you're just casting your friends and all of those things that's like you know that's like black flag or, or uh the descendants or stuff like that and then um something like lost in translation would be like the offspring or rancid it's a good way to put it it's, it's they're on it's it's they're on indie labels but they make music for a mainstream rock audience or even i'll go one more like um so, like, I would think that, like, The Offspring, since they started off on an indie label, I think that Offspring's Smash, which was on Epitaph Records, an indie label, that would be, like, um, Clerks. Mm-hmm. And then Ch- Amy would be, like, 
their album after that that was on Columbia, their like Ixnay on the Ombre album. Gotcha. Same same thing with Blink One Two. You know, Blink One Two's Cheshire Cat was on like Cargo Music, which is like an indie label. But was later mm-hmm. bought Universal, I think, but it was still, you know, indie label of out of California. So that would mm-hmm. be like the Kirks and then, you know, Dude Ranch is like the Chasing Amy and the Mall Rats and stuff like that. We've talked uh, a lot before about how Weezer's career kind of subsequently mirrors Kevin Smith's career. Yeah, I can see that. Because, you know, you have <laughs> yeah, like the, were... you had the really big first album and then the second one kind of sucked. Not really. Fingerdance is pretty good, but. Well, 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 I... People thought it, it's like ball rats. People thought it sucked at the time. But yes. Now it's a hit. Because people wanted clerks. You know, same thing yeah. when Pinkerton came out, people wanted Blue Album. Pinkerton did not sound like Blue Album. Pinkerton no. was poppier. It was like a little bit more like classical, like music kind of style writing, like the chord progressions and stuff like that. And it had dark shit, like he was talking about being sexually frustrated in basically every song. People were like, oh God, I wanted Buddy Holly Part 2. <laughs> yeah. But guys should download songs from the black hole which is their rock opera that was Dude, supposed that is one of the coolest like rock uh, rock and roll stories of all time the making oh, and awesome. unmaking of songs from the black hole oh yeah and you could download all of them like they released all of them in some form or another you know some of them were, went on to be on pinkerton but like there are versions of like Rivers on his like solo albums has like slowly released tracks from it, um, and then there's like acoustic demos and stuff like that. But they all sound like awesome. The writing that is more kind of like the simplicity of the Blue album, but you could see it's starting to get towards ten, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I like. I got one just- more. Um, one more direct. Kevin Smith and Weezer parallel for you, Dixon, Knocked that I don't out. think has been brought up before. Go right ahead. So, um, um, a lot of people think the golden age of Weezer was in the 90s, not just because of the X music, because that was when both Rivers and Matt Sharp were in the band. You know, and, and Matt Sharp is vastly popular among Weezer fans. He was a great bassist, great singer, charismatic frontman, really helped supposedly helped write a lot of the first two albums. And uh, since then, Weezer music never really been on that same level. So um, Matt Sharp, if you will, is like the Scott Moser of Weezer's career. Mm. Oh, you know, oh I, get, I get, what you're, I get where you're going there. I, I do get what He's you're going not, there. Him and Kev are not tied at the hip. No, not, with, not like they once were. He's, yeah. out, he's out doing uh, big movies now. And, I'm not saying and, Kevin isn't, but... Yeah, and, and Kevin's Kevin's art has arguably suffered as a whole. Arguably. I think he just um, is at that point in his life where he's not trying to appeal to anybody. Like, he made his cult hits in the 90s, and now he just he makes movies that he wants to make. He doesn't really try to appeal to any particular genre or any, you know, what people ask for. He makes movies for his fans, like, and that's... His style of writing really went well with the 90s culture mm-hmm. and i think it doesn't translate too well like like people my age your age like his movies now like i don't think yoga hoosers was that bad i i like 
you know, the other movies that he's made. Did you see did you see the trailer for speaking of pandemic films? Did you see the trailer for Michael Bay's newest project? I don't care about Michael Bay's newest project. And I don't so care about Michael, Michael Bay. Bay. Now, as you know, I am a huge Michael Bay fan. I think Michael Bay is the greatest director of all time. Um what are you fucking up to Ninja Turtles? Oh, it was it was fantastic. Oscar I was working at the Garrett theater at the time. It was great. Turtles was my favorite. Like that. Like some people love GI Joe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters were my shit. Like I wanted Michelangelo at my birthday party when I was five. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie just came out. I saw it in the movie theater. I went to Pizza Hut. Um, I got you know uh, a videotape of the. No, this was the second second Turtles. I got from Pizza Hut. They were doing like a promotion where you got the coming out of their shells tape. They're like hair metal rock band you know oh, yeah yeah uh and then i got the vanilla ice uh tape also videotape with it and then mm-hmm. you know i love teen turtles and then when michael bay was like they're gonna be aliens i know he didn't go with that in the movie but like when he was like i'm gonna make them aliens i'm gonna change this and that it's like you don't you don't need to do that just make the movie like i get it you want to open it up to younger kids but you could open it up to for kids without fucking it up for like people who grew up with it. I don't think you, you go know, to Michael Bay the, looking for artistic integrity. Played, uh, <laughs> April, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, those were horrible. I, I just, I really don't think you go to Michael Bay for any sort of artistic integrity. No, uh, you don't. Expect That's nothing that. less. Yet, for no. some reason, for some reason, he has a film on the Criterion Collection, which is. Gives, Which gives me Ajita every day thinking about it. Any time before, I will go to bat for Armageddon and The Rock being in the collection any day of the week. I think Armageddon... I, go to bat. I would put a vote to make Armageddon the first film removed from the collection. I'd never seen Armageddon because that Goo Goo Dolls song pissed me off so much. Oh, Iris? Was it that yeah. one? Was I, it? Like I don't think it's from Armageddon. I think it's from another movie. It no, was from I'm a Nicholas. I think it's from a Nicholas Cage movie. I don't want to close my oh, yeah. eyes. I yeah. don't want to close my eyes. Yep. That's their Actually, only number one hit in America. That, the what? That's their only number one hit in America. Fun fact. Aerosmith? Really? Smith's only number one hit is I don't want to miss a thing from the Armageddon soundtrack. They've had plenty of top ten hits. But the only one to hit number one was wow. the song from Armageddon. And that's why it should be removed from the collection, because it's a piece of trash. But it's Much a like you. Trash. Yeah. I, as, like, as I've said before, Dixon, before we, now that we've gotten way off topic from what I was talking about, <laughs> I love Michael Bay. I love that someone can be simultaneously juvenile and adult. I love that his films are simultaneously garbage and amazing. He's, he's like a disgrace Schrodinger's to the director. He's, he's a disgrace to the medium. And uh, he is now making a... I don't know if he's producing this or directing this, but he's making a film about COVID-23, which is an enhanced version of 
the coronavirus and it's set in a world where we've been on lockdown for four years straight. I mean, it's not that, not that far out of the real possibility. I don't even want to, like, that's not even a cool thing. Like, I'm just like, I don't even want to think of that. <laughs> you know? It could go on for, for quite a while if there's no, uh, if there's no vaccine. Masks on like they did in New Zealand and mm-hmm. stay inside the houses for three months. Brian, New Zealand you know? is an island in the middle of nowhere. I think there's a lot more land area here and a lot more people that we need to be concerned about. Here's what you're not thinking about, Brian. I have the right to not wear a mask. <laughs> I think if someone goes, I don't have to wear a mask if I don't want to, I think a midget, not a midget, sorry. A short person. <laughs> No, I was I was gonna say I was I wasn't even gonna correct my politically incorrect thing. I was gonna say a magical being should pop out of thin air, the person in the head, because there should be people who don't want to wear masks. It's like you don't give a fuck about the safety of other people, then you could fucking die. Fuck you. <laughs> Live free or die, my dudes. Live free or die. die. Wear a mask and you're dead. Don't don't take away my ride. We will be playing Sunday football. And I will piss on your grave. Freddy Kitchen. Yeah, Um, man. It's a wild time. I think we need to get rid of... There's too many people. Too too many many people? people. (laughs) Brian, are you one of those? (laughs) No, I don't. Brian, are we are we promoting genocide? (laughs) So what I'm saying is that, like, if like I'm not saying going around kill people, I'm saying that if would it be too would it be too out of out of whack to say uh uh what do you call it genocide for the children? That's the name of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So, example, there. I think that people should have a license to breed. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I see where you're going. You know what I mean? That's like, I mean, that, like, I, that's I think really I, the thing, right? There's not, but you should stop fucking two. Like, you don't need seven goddamn kids. You know? Well, that, well that's my that's right really as a human the, being to have seven kids. God it damn it! That, that that gets to what I I I think of of the world's problems. I don't think there's too many people. I think there's too many stupid people. Yeah. Kind of like, the, um, the stupid like, people are the ones reproducing. The whole beginning of idiocracy. You know, where like smart people are like, it's not the right climate to have kids. The economy's terrible. And then it goes to like the white trash people and they're just like multiplying like crazy. You yeah. know? Making We're everyone... living idiocracy right now. Yeah. Because Donald Trump is like macho, President Macho. Yeah, let's kind of fandom. Let's narrow it down because uh, let let's get on to some sort of topic because I feel like that would be uh, very topical to do. Um, so this will be the last podcast either in Trump's America or it'll be the continuation of Trump's America. So, um, I'm scared, Brian. I'm very scared. This could be the last podcast in Trump's America, or it could be. You know, next week we could be in four more years of Trump's America. It's like Groundhog Day. It really is. I know for me, 
I'll I'll never forget staying up on election night four years ago, having class at eight o'clock in the morning, and just like sitting there with my hand in my head, like staring at the TV like this, and just like looking at like Trump winning and just being like, be like, oh my god, this is this is fucking happening. Like this Dude, is I like laugh my ass real. off. I because I predicted the shit in 2015 when he announced his campaign. I said to this guy. No, he's going to win the election. And he was like, you're crazy. And a year and a half later, I was fucking right. I woke up at, I woke up at like five in the morning, like on the dot. And I don't, I don't ever wake up like without any sort of alarm or whatever. And then I looked at my phone and Trump was president and it was a scary time. It really was. Well, I remember, so like when Trump became president, I didn't, cause like I'm a white straight dude, like, him being president doesn't affect me that much, but it affects, you know, all my LGBTQ friends. It affects all the women in my life. You know, it affects them. You know, and I know that when I was in college, a large percentage of the people in the medical program that I was in voted for Trump. And there was like a couple people who didn't. And a couple people who didn't, like they saw me. Like trudging to class the next day, put my head like this, and I was just like, I guess, I guess they could tell by the look on me. And like, I remember, you know, one of the girls in my classroom would be like, "You okay?" And I was like, "Not really." I was like, "I'm not really okay." And she was like, "Well, let, let's talk about it." And we went outside and we talked about it. And I just like told her everything. She was like, "I know." And I was like, "And it sucks that like a lot of the." that you know we've gotten to know over these last two years in this like program just don't give a fuck about you know anybody else but themselves like oh i don't want to don't want to pay more babies to die it's like it's like you're in the medical field and you're and that's what you're going for and yet you don't care about people medical field you should be have a higher like knowledge of you know medical goings on should know that Planned Parenthood isn't sucking babies out of people all day long and selling the parts on the black market. It's, it's, it's insane. And then to sit there and be like, well, Jesus Christ doesn't want it. It's like... Like, so what? It's like, that's okay that you don't want an abortion. That doesn't mean that, you know, the girl sitting next to you thinks the same thing as you. And that... And that's a lot of like right wing people is that they don't think about how it will affect someone else because they they're selfish about it and they don't want to admit that they're selfish. So they're like, like our friend, you know, I think, you know, who we're talking about posted something about Trump has never done anything to harm women. I just remembered who you're referring to. (laughs) And, And I was like, are you fucking saying he did? And then this kid was like, how? And I was name one thing Trump has done. And I was like, okay, filling the, the RBG's uh, spot with that right wing Christian who wants to get rid of abortions. And then he goes, once again, how did Trump this? How did Trump limit the rights of women? And I'm he like, he appointed a woman that's going to possibly limit. Women. Exactly. And then, and then, it, it, it had, oh, like, okay, you're right. 
hasn't happened yet, but it probably is going to yeah. happen. Like, and like by Trump doing that, and like the analogy that I use, I think is a good analogy, is that if you pay a hitman to go kill someone because you physically didn't go and pull the trigger and kill the person someone else did, doesn't make you any less guilty. The hitman is the judge, and Trump is the person who hired that person. And you have, I just, it's infuriating that these people can't fucking understand that when you vote for someone who's going to put someone else in power who has the power to limit the rights of someone else, that's just as bad. That's just as bad. I don't want to pay high taxes either. I would like to keep my money. However, I'm not a selfish dick, and I'm okay with a small portion of my money going to Planned Parenthood, going to these programs that help, you know, people live. And I'm okay with people at Burger King making $20 an hour if they have to, because everyone is entitled to live a nice life. They don't have to go to college to do that. They don't have to be the smartest person in the world. They, they're allowed to have the luxury to buy food and live in a house and, or even an apartment. Is anything affordable? We shouldn't be doing things to limit what these people need to survive. And that's what fucking infuriates me. It's like, well, I don't agree with everything Trump does, but I really like that he doesn't want to take that 15% of my monthly paycheck to pay for people who need it. It's like, but you're okay with, like, all the money you put into the army to blow up children, you know, and, like, blow up countries. Oh, we think Osama bin Laden's here. Blow up that, that town. Whoops, he isn't. We just killed a bunch of people, but better safe than sorry it's like it's just like that way of thinking is like infuriating we won't call this person out by name but i mean i did ask him if he wanted to come on with you um and discuss this very topic but um the person who will remain unnamed uh, did not want to um i felt like he didn't want to have this kind of conversation in person which kind of kind of irks me a little bit um, like, I don't want to blow up his spot or anything. I love this guy, but like, um, I, I feel like sometimes people are a lot more comfortable behind a, behind a keyboard because they can spend the time to think out what they want to say or, you know, think about their response. I mean, I get it, but you know, if you have such a strong opinion on something, are you saying, are you saying uh, trigger figures turn to Twitter figures? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, you know, I I we get it. And we, we went bike riding together a couple months ago, and it was awesome. I like I like the kid. It's, I think the political thinking is just it's so it's so like it's not rational. It's like mm-hmm. tell like just just by what we were talking about. Tell me one thing Trump has done to limit to limit the rights of women. Like I could, there's a laundry list of things. I had a, you know? I had one of my friends tell me when, uh, remember when Trump said he had a super secret plan to defeat ISIS in 30 days? Oh yeah. And his response after that was, well, have you heard from ISIS lately? Um, they, they, they still exist. They're around. <laughs> they are. Correct. Am I wrong? Yeah. I don't think so. Um, you know, it's some people, 
but also you have to at least give those people the benefit of the doubt. Like the really extreme people that are like, you know, racist. We don't want to like, I don't know. I don't really want to deal with those people, but the people who just like support him for with good intention in their mind, but they're just misinformed. Like we can't just treat people with a certain level of disrespect because you don't want to divide people even more. Like, like the people that are already too far gone, you're not going to, you're not going to save those people, you know, in most circumstances, you still want to give them, you still want to give people human decency. Like you're not going to treat them exactly the way they're treating other people, but you know, you got to have at least some sort of open, you know, open conversation with these people, you know, because often sometimes it it breaks their with to people. Well, that that's the key, right? Because there's, especially in 2016, when he won, there was a lot of people who, who, who voted for him that had reasons like they were worried about their insurance premiums. They were worried about their, their tax money, all of these things. Uh, A lot of people in the Rust Belt who, thought that his policies were going to bring jobs back to those towns you know all of these things so you're definitely right and a lot of this just comes down to information you know like Mm -hmm. we we live in a world where a big part of the problem is like how divided that the media has become and how divided conversations in the public space have become where i mean we, we hear about fake news all the time and you know like which has been bastardized in and of itself because fake news now is just shit I don't agree with. Like, fake news used to be CNN.com, stuff like that. It was, like, literally fake news. What really bothers me is when it comes to... There's so much noise out there. There's so much misinformation. People, people, a lot of people don't know what's true and what's not. And a lot of times people don't want it, like, they don't want to accept the truth, like... You know, right. people that support him because they think he's going to bring jobs back. Like a lot of the jobs he was referring to, you know, he wants to bring like coal mining jobs back and he wants to like, you know, allow the Dakota Access Pipeline to be built, which won't create a lot of long term jobs because it's just going to, you know, it's just and it's like it's a selfish point of view because a lot of these things that he's he's pointing towards are going to have long term ramifications in the future. If we continue to rely on coal. You know, we're going to have a lot more carbon emissions if we're going to build a pipeline through the entire country. You know, there could be a point where the pipe leaks and then, you know. And so also think about, I mean, I'm not good with my history, but like FDR was after the Great Depression, right? And he's like the one who got us out of the Great Depression. Yeah, because he he did the New Deal, brought Social Security in. He's like, let's, 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 we'll give people jobs, we'll build highways. We'll build, you know, X, Y, Z. So Eisenhower was no, the highway system. What? Eisenhower was the highway system, I believe. Yeah. But that FDR building road. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, fuck it, let, let's, let's put people down in the coal mines and harvest coal and, you know, bring back black lung and all that shit, you know? Like, the dude just doesn't think about and it's like like people who support him like i said they just they they, they're not thinking rationally when they think like oh he's gonna bring the jobs back and he's gonna do this and that like 
you're most of the time you, you see these people, they're generally like middle class people, you know, sometimes from the country. And like, do you think that a guy who who grew up with with the silver spoon in his mouth and never had to lift a hand in his entire life really cares about the strife of the middle class at age 60, yes, at age they, 70, they whatever? I really do think I just, I, I don't get where you can have a rational thought thinking that a, a billionaire like that is really going to care about you. Well, I mean, it's possible. I mean, Warren Buffett cares. Yeah, but like, there's nothing about this guy that strikes me as somebody who has any sort of nothing but malintent in his heart. And I, it just, it no, bothers you're, you're me. Absolutely correct. It bothers me that people, you know, kind of gang up like he's like this. It's almost like he's a bully. And people are joining this this gang because they want to be they want to be top dog, and it's like, and that's a lot of where politics derives from is is people just wanting to be on top, and they want to be in the winning party because they want to be able to say like, oh, I'm part of the winning team, and you know it it can be it can be difficult because the reason that's usually the case is because the Democratic Party is usually very like kind of clean cut and kind of like you know it kind of has that you know, the vibe that he gives off, but it's, you know, it's that blue, that blue line of people that want to give money. They want to take the money away from the working man and give it to the person that doesn't want to work for it, uh, which is not usually the case. But um, I just feel like that level of hypocrisy is really what, and the, the lack of, of care for your fellow man is really what bothers me the most about this current divide. Yeah. His appeal is to his supporters. So remember when you were in high school, maybe not high school, maybe like middle school, and there was like the cool kid who was like kind of a bully. And like you're not mature enough to realize that what this person is doing is wrong and you see how it's affecting, you know, this kid that's being bullied. And you like you like seeing him go up to the kid and like punching the kid and like making fun of him. And it's oh, it's so funny. Look at what Look at what Billy did to Jordan. He, the poor kid. He like pulled his underwear over his head and like spilled his lunch on the floor. Oh, that was so funny. You know, being in high school or middle school, like you find that shit funny. I think this is is that so like poor handicapped people, LGBTQ uh, community, um, the women's rights, Black Lives Matter. I think that to a Trump supporter. Those are like the nerdy kid at school and Trump is the bully picking on them and purposely doing stuff. Oh, I'm going to take away, you know, gay rights and I'm going to take away Planned Parenthood. And like all of Trump's fanboys and fangirls are just sitting there like, yeah, it's so funny. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not so much of like, well, I agree with politics on this. It's just like, what is he going to do to own the libtards next? What's he going to do to make all he's doing is making people's lives harder. He's not making anyone's life easier. You know, what has he done for the, for the working class? What has he done for the middle class? Nothing. He hasn't done anything. He says he's going to do stuff. Oh, I'm building the wall to keep Mexicans out so they don't rape you and come into your community and make, make the property, the, the taxes go go up and the property value go down and all this stuff. It's all it's scare tactics. It's, it's trigger words. It's it's buzzwords. It's just it's all bullshit. And these people are just buying into it. 
like it's like it's like fact. It's like okay, building a wall. Mexico paying for it? No, you're paying for it, you stupid asshole. Like you are. Like you you elected him. Go make Mexico build this wall, and then the Mexicans are gonna come in. Yada yada. And it's like the end. Those people who voted for him are the ones donating to have this wall built. Like how fucking stupid are you? You're stupid. I'm sorry. People don't want to admit that they're stupid. They don't want to admit they made a mistake. And they double they double down on what they (laughs) and what they think is going to give them the most clout. I feel like to admit that you're wrong is a sign of intelligence. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What she said something bad about I think Black Lives Matter in the very beginning. And then she later came on and was like, I educated myself on it. I agree with it now. I'm sorry about what I said. It was an uninformed decision. That's a sign of intelligence. It's a sign of growing as a person and going around like like educating yourself on these things. Why are these people why are these people doing this? I understand why why people who collect guns are mad that people want to take their guns away. I one hundred percent agree. I I one hundred see why they're angry it's like if someone came to my house and was like was like some kid shot up a school because he saw evil dead you're not allowed to own that movie anymore or you're not allowed to listen to that marilyn manson album anymore because one kid said that blew his brains out because marilyn manson told him to no i i get it but i forgot where i was going with this but you know what I'm, it was you know a good I mean? point you have to understand why people you have to understand why Black Lives Matter is so mad about the situation. Who gives a fuck if more white people get killed a year? The fact is, black people constantly get pulled over and shot, and then these cops get away got free with no repercussions. A woman was sleeping in her bed. Cops broke into her house. Civilian clothing. Her boyfriend was like, shit, someone's breaking into the house, got his gun out, and mm-hmm. shot her cops, and the cops pumped her with, like, eight bullets and killed her. When mm-hmm. they were wrong house, it, it's, it's negligence. If I fucking killed someone at my job, I'd be fired. I might even go to jail. I would lose my medical license. Yeah. There has to be repercussions. There can't be this immunity with these people you know you have to understand why people get mad about these things whether you agree with it or not you have to at least try and see the reason why someone's upset yeah just just treating an issue as if it's just oh it's, it's it doesn't affect me so why should i care about it as a very ignorant you know for somebody who you know it especially these people who are more of the of like the the Jesus and the God and the, you know, the, the whole point of, of being a, a Christian or a Catholic is, is to, to give to the world what God gave to you. And a lot of these people are hypocritical because they think they're going to go to church on Sunday and all of a sudden they're, you know, their sins are atoned for, but yet that nine out of, you know, six out of seven days of the week, you know, they're treating people like crap. No, his followers, there's, this is illegitimate. Black Lives Matter is illegitimate. They're just a bunch of snowflakes. Their egos are hurt. They're snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Nothing's bad. They're, they're, they're privileged babies. 
you know so obviously his followers are like yeah they're just a bunch of babies oh look at them attacking attacking those those fine young young men who are here to protect us um the thing about like the individual who, who you wanted to speak with about this like you're not being you're, you're not being like a what's the word i'm thinking of you're not being like a combative when it comes to what you're saying you're just trying to explain something that means a lot to you and it really makes me upset to know that that person doesn't want to listen in person to what another person has to think or what they think about about a subject Facebook, horrible place to have a convert uh discussion about that because at one during his one conference posted the video of black lives matter protesters yelling at an old lady in the middle of the street. He saw that video as these bullies went up to this old lady and just started yelling at her. In reality, what probably happened was this old lady went up to these protesters and started yelling whatever 1920s nonsense was in her head. You people are disrespectful, yada, yada. And then they probably turned around and just like, started going black lives matter black lives matter in her face i don't think that this old lady was trying to cross the street and then all of a sudden she was attacked by protesters not realistic they don't do that the lady sitting outside at the restaurant getting yelled at by all those people i'm sure she wasn't just sitting there minding her business she probably said some ignorant shit and then those people went and attacked her and they weren't physically beating these people up so basically on that one with the lady um it was like obviously a whole like conversation of like nonsense, like, oh, they're bullies. Someone should stop them. Look at them, they're bullying this old lady and yada yada and all this stuff. And in that conversation, you know, we started talking about like Anifa. He was like, I'm anti-racist, but I'm not anti-fascist. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, to be anti-racist, you have to be can't be racist. You have to admit that white people are racist. Like white are racist and he goes are you racist and i was like i was like yeah i was like you know what i was like i am racist no i do say stuff he's like okay have fun being the racist anti-racist and then he thought he had me at that point and it's just like that lack of understanding that like i'm not saying that i'm going out like look at the black person mexicans do this and black people do that and stereotyping people Racism is so much deeper than that. Racism is even just noticing someone's skin color. Walking down the street, pass by a hundred white people and not notice them, but then you notice the black guy coming out of a store. That's, you know, that's considered a little bit of like ingrained racism that's in every single person. Doesn't mean you hate black people, but you have to admit that just even noticing someone's skin color, noticing that that's different about them is racist. You know, it's not, you know, lynching someone and hanging them from a tree and drawing a swastika on your head. But it is an insensitive thing to reduce someone to just a skin color. And that's what uh, anti-racist means by white people are racist, you know? And I just think it's that people don't understand that, especially because that's something that's recognized, you know, for years as like a systemic racism. You know, it's not like some made up crazy person. And it's just like, it's just, it's just so normal to me. Like, it's just so like, like understandable that that's like something you're 
you're like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. You know, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but you know, I mean, there's I, mean, I, I see I, what you mean. I mean, there's a lot of ingrained racism. Yeah. Um, it's ingrained when you're a little kid. When when I was growing up, whenever there was a bad guy on like one of those one of those cop shows, you know, it was always a black dude or a Mexican dude. You know, it was never like some like white person. You know, it was always some, oh look at that thug, look at this, look at look at the rappers and all that stuff. You know, and that's that's Versus why the, the clean cut hero. Yeah, the clean cut hero was always some white dude. You know, it's just yeah. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a professor or a doctor. I don't study this stuff, but that's just how I understand it. That's just an honest you know? perspective, and, and the, the as, I, as I say a lot on the show, you know, I'm a moron, but it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, so there's a band, there's a band called Propagani. One of their songs, they go, "I'm just as stupid as anyone, but I know my mistakes," and I think uh-huh. that that's a very powerful line. No oh, one yeah. is anyone else. I'm dumb. I, I'm terrible at math. I do stupid things. I don't think before I do stuff. Um, I never think before I do anything. Oh, we're well aware. (laughs) But but by becoming aware of your mistakes, I used to call people, I used to call things gay in high school. Don't be a faggot. (laughs) Hit them in the balls, you know? I'm 35 now. I don't do that. You know, when I hurt my friend one day, this is like embarrassing, but like, you know, I never hated gay people, but I called things gay. And I, me and my friend, we were at the mall and this gay guy came up to us and was like talking to us. And so we went to her house and we're like, oh, this guy, like he was gay and he was talking like this and like all that stuff. And she was like, okay. She's like, I just wanted to tell you that I officially came out of the closet. And that was like the most, realistic like thing that ever happened to me that like completely i was like i was like it just like it all hit me about like why calling things gay is wrong there was nothing wrong with this kid like why was i just like reducing him to like this gay stereotype oh he's flopping his hand he's talking like this it was just silly just like stupid you know yeah that's just all about growing as a person learning new information that changes your perspective and changes your behavior and you you adapt to new times and new information and and new understanding of other people and you know there's some people that just don't want to do that i guess for whatever reason yeah but i guess like what you were saying is like when the reason facebook is so bad is is people will stick with the people that agree with them and it becomes like i've said a lot of times before it becomes an echo chamber and, and that's that's what's really the most detrimental part. part of social media is that it it takes away that personal interaction where you could have this sort of you know understanding conversation with somebody even if you're not allowed to even if you're not able to agree um at least you can come to some understanding and then this can't really happen with people on the internet because they just they have a predetermined way of looking at things and then if you don't agree with them they'll just block you or you know ignore what you're saying if you talk to someone face to face and you say here's like they could say like this is why i think you're wrong 
in thinking that abortion is okay because it has a heartbeat because this you know the general you know christian ideology to the reason why you shouldn't you know life begins at what is it contraception or whatever when the seed enters the egg you know oh now it's officially a person but someone who's a scientist and someone who's more science driven is going to be like no actually it's just a cluster of cells you know even when if it does have a heartbeat it's not a person it's not a person until it's born it doesn't have any carbon footprint on anything it's not it's like literally not existing besides as something inside someone's stomach you know it doesn't even have a name yet the legal name or birth certificate or anything you know and i think that the thing with like having face-to-face conversations with people is you could both take the time to learn why someone thinks the way they think and then you can educate them and then if they choose to you know be educated and understand what you're saying awesome they still choose to think that you know people from mexico are coming over here to take your jobs and rape your women then you're an asshole you're you're an idiot you know that's what i think (laughs) well said I think that's a, I think that's a good uh that's a good ending point for the evening. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I always want to end on something, you know, something informative for people. I just want to say like, sure. you know, the world's going to be a lot a lot different in the next week. And um, you know, in either a good or a neutral way, you know, or either a neutral or a bad way, you know. And it's just uh it's a really scary thought right now about it thinking about having more years of this is scary it's but then also like it's scary either way because like there's people out there saying like oh if like he doesn't win i'm gonna like you liberals better watch out you're gonna get what's coming to you and it's like what the hell does that mean like i know that these these like right-wing people like hoard weapons and stuff and I know that on the night that he was elected back in, what, 2016, the minute he was officially president, all of a sudden I heard guns going off around me. Guns and, like, my neighbors down the street were riding their four-wheelers at, like, 2 in the morning up and down the street firing guns and yee-hawing and stuff. Some people still just... Yeah. Some people are just going to stay ignorant no matter what you tell them. But... At least you can try to have the conversation to try to at least make them understand your point of view. Yeah. All you can really do. So it is what it is. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brian, you always you always hit me with the with the feels conversations. It's 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 hard. <laughs> Midget comment. <laughs> It's okay. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we can cut that part out. Okay. Anything you say you don't like, we can always cut it out. No big deal. That's what that's what the power of editing is for. It just came out. <laughs> that's all good. It's it's like you don't even mean anything by it, so it's it's fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is a good a good place to stop for the evening. Um, Brian, where can the Would beautiful? You like to, um... Would we like to finish with some advice? Ooh, we we haven't done advice in a while. 
haven't done advice. Let's let's play the jingle. We don't have a jingle. We don't have a jingle. Let's play the what, jingle. What song would you like to play, Brian? Insert song okay. here. Uh, any song I want. Any song you want. No, the song goes like this. It's time for advice. It's time for advice. <laughs> it's time for advice. Take, I want to be your proctologist. Sounds okay. good. I'll include it. We'll do it. All right. Mom dating an absolute loser. What's okay. my... Oh, wait. So this, is... this is the question, Brian. Dear, dear okay. Dixon and Parody. Uh, I am a 22-year-old man. My mom is 56. She started dating this person eight years ago. I'll be the first to admit I had a problem and showed some animosity towards him. I was much younger then. Yeah, I guess you would have been 14 then. Okay. This, this, the fact that my mom was dating anybody didn't really sit well with me. This is to say that I was pretty reserved about accepting this person into my life. I felt bad about it ever since then. He, he got involved with a court case in which he was accused of sexually assaulting someone at work. The charges were dropped as according to him an excuse, an excuse to fire him and he was awarded compensation for it. What? Case was dragged out for two more years when I lived with my mom in Singapore. Uh, weirdly, during this time for a while, he lived with my dad. He was unemployed for this entire time and spent the day doing nothing but watching TV. So much so that he had several problems with his car battery running dry since he literally never went anywhere. Now, my home isn't the most comfortable place, but every time I was in a room with him, I felt extremely uncomfortable. Something about being around him, looking at him, engaging in conversation with him disturbed me. He has a man who has a lot of warped opinions about me. Like, for instance, he once spent an afternoon to convince me that 9-11 was an inside job because the bodies of the bombers couldn't be found. Okay. Um, another time he complained about a rugby player getting fired for expressing racist opinions as a suppression of free speech, which by definition it isn't. Another time I heard a situation which my dad's girlfriend in a towel and my mom's boyfriend came into the room and gasped rather than pardoning himself started to explain how when men are caught like that they cover their genitals but women generally cover their breasts first I don't know, know what's happening this is long as fuck I'm just going to skip ahead here what's the point? um I have voiced my feelings about all this to her, and I guess there's nothing I can do. She refuses to stop dating him, even though everyone in the family knows that he is a giant scumbag. What do I do? Prevention. Like, almost, yeah. like that show prevention. Um, gotta sit him down and maybe explain to her why it's affecting, like, your, like, the family around her and why it's affecting her and she needs to make that decision. Ultimately, ultimately, to... ultimately, you will win because you're the son, and he's and a mom, the mom is always going to pick the son. I would think if it came down to that, but she it's has to make of, that decision. Like that, 
I think it's the same thing that, you know, basically you need to let the person who's in charge of that situation to pick. And you have to give ultimatums. You have to be like, like, mom, like, listen, I'm not saying that they should do this, but like, be like, mom, listen, like, continue to like hang out with this person. I told you they make me feel this way, that way, the other thing. I'm not going to come over anymore unless this person's gone. You can come over, see me. We could talk, but I don't want this person in my life. You know, and then uh, the mother the, from that point on, I would think. I think the real question is this guy, this guy has to be laying pipe like a champ for her to be looking past all these problems for eight years. Is, is this a correct take, Dixon? Wow, well, there's the name of the episode right there. Laying pipe for the I children. Mean, <laughs> oh, please don't call it that. <laughs> oh, oh my God. No. Will anybody get it? Is it a common term? <laughs> I mean, I would think. I don't know. Let's not name it that. Yeah, laying pipe for the children is um, words that should probably not be <laughs> used in a sentence together. Uh, we try, we try. Mother might be afraid that if she breaks up with this person, she might not find anybody else. Some people are like that. You know, that could be a big thing. You know, that, that like, just like, like, there's so many girls and even guys who, like, stay in an abusive relationship because they're afraid that if they let the person go, they're not going to have anyone, especially as they get older. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. Cause you drop off of the dating, you know, scene after a certain age and in yeah. some, in, in some people's minds, like most of the time you can most, you can find somebody any, any age really, you know, there's somebody out there feeling the same way that you are. All you right, should tell your so, mom that. Right. Yeah. So our, our next question, next next question comes to us from um, Mustang Ray. Mustang Ray. Right. Mustang Ray. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend told me she wants to have a threesome with my friend. Do it. End of story. <laughs> no, don't don't do that. Do it. Um, let's see what the letters say. Um. My girlfriend, who I've been dating for five months, has recently been looking for new ways to spice up our sex life. This is when she brought up the idea of having a threesome. I rejected this, said, who would want to do that with us? And she mentioned one of my close friends. Uh, my girlfriend and friend actually kind of know each other before I met her because they attended some of the same college classes. She specifically told her told me that she fantasizes about having sex with both me and this friend of mine. Does this seem weird to anyone else, or is she just kinky as fuck? Um, sex life is that stale after five months. It's, you should just break up because... Yeah, you're mean, obviously not compatible after five months and the shit's already not working. I mean, it's, it's okay to have fetishes and stuff like that. I mean, and he, thinks that your your sex life is stale and that after five months like you're you guys are doing something wrong you're having some like vanilla sex or something you just start like a thumb in the ass or spanking <laughs> you know like um, <laughs> just, oh, that, pull, pull a little I, hair or something yeah, around. On, 
He's been around the block a few times. He knows. Clearly, this man is not um not laying pipe like a champ, like our earlier. No. Five months in. I've never you know heard what that the before. other the other side of this is though is like because it's only five months. I kind of feel it. The other thing is you've got to think about is it's only five months, so that's still the stage where you can do stuff like this, and it doesn't really become as big of a deal because you're not as emotionally attached. I I think that well I know I know that like married couples you know get into swinging and stuff like that because mm-hmm. you know years of just sex with the same person stale not five months though i'm talking about like people married for 10 years you know let's throw right. a third in but you know what i'm saying like when you're when you're with somebody for like five six years then you're a lot more emotionally invested and it's a lot easier to become jealous it's a lot easier to become confused to have like kind of hurt feelings it, it, it's been five months i mean how how well can you possibly really know the person where you're that emotionally invested? And, you know, he said he was like 28. So, like, I'd imagine that the girl at the friend are also around the same age range. That's, I, I, I would I, I would say, dude, I would go for it, but I would be very wary of the fact that this is, relationship is probably not going to last. I don't think you're going to break up because of this like you would. But if you had maybe been together a little longer and it it causes more of a jealousy problem, I think you'll break up for a jealousy problem. But I think you will break up just because you're simply not compatible if you're already spi- have this, having to spice about five months. Um, the other thing that I thought was weird about that letter is that they did not express the gender of the friend. I I guess it does. I mean, it doesn't really matter, it, I guess. I mean, it, like, it can be important to some it people. It seems like a yeah, it seems like a weird detail to leave out. Like, is this is the close friend another man or another girl? Because I feel if it's another girl, most of the time it's not as severe. If you're the male in the situation, well, yeah, that's, that's just a I'm double thinking, standard. Like if, but yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, she I might mean, be harboring will- some. She might be harboring some deep feelings about somebody else or well, about another like gender. Any, any girl who's willing to have a threesome with another girl, I would imagine, is at least somewhat attracted. Mm-hmm. Especially if she's the one that suggested it. Be, right? Yeah. Just like I would think that any man who agrees to a threesome where there's another man involved is at least somewhat attracted to men. Yeah, you have. Mm-hmm. To do that and be comfortable in your relationship that you would trust that you know your girlfriend probably isn't just trying to have sex with this other dude because they have feelings with them or this other girl because she has feelings and like you know if it's completely like hey let's just have like platonic whatever sex you know that's one thing but if like you know there's crushes involved like the girlfriend has like a crush on like this guy's friend mm-hmm. and she's not telling him about it then that could be disastrous i guess i think that's all stuff that needs to be worked out like comfort yeah, levels yeah like is the boyfriend gonna be like 
hogging her out while she's like licking the girl's pussy or the guy's dick or are they both going to take turns fucking her or is there going to be you know like like a double penetration thing going on there's a lot of there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of possibility there's a lot yeah, of there's, there's a lot of different possible. uh there's a lot of pipe to be laid you know it's a little yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean i've I've never been in a relationship with someone who's asked for this, so I've never had to go through those ground rules, but I would I would want to put them down, be like, hey, this is this is as far as I'll go. And you know, if if it goes beyond this, we're gonna have an issue. And also finding out where where she felt comfortable, where's the far what's what's as far as you go, what do you not want to do? What do you what are you what's your comfort zone? Um just seems like a common courtesy. Conversation discussion in that you know you mm-hmm. can't just hey I wanna do this, let's go do it and then just go do it. You know? I mean you can, but it's just probably not going to it's it's probably going to get messy later. The adult thing is talking about <laughs> Yeah. Five, five minute warning on the recording, by the way. Five minute warning? Yeah. Do you want to do one more? Uh, yeah, I can just, let me just start another recording. Give me a second. We can go as long as, it doesn't really matter how long we go. <laughs> Someday there will be. There you go. Okay, continue. All right, final question of the night. How do I tell everyone that I'm not gay? Um... Would think you would just say it, would you not? Yes, okay. that would be the ideal situation. So, I think. I think the problem is why. I mean, there's nothing wrong with people thinking you're gay, but you know, people think I'm gay. It just doesn't bother me anymore because I'm not a fucking child. <laughs> you know? Here, oh, here's bro, gay. Okay, whatever. Let's see, his, let's see his explanation of this. Dear Dixon and Parody and Brian. Um, I'm a 19 year old man. Um, I thought I was gay the longest time. I had heard, I thought that my feminine qualities made me gay. Okay, that's a kind of a weird reason to think that you were gay, but whatever. Um, I came out at 14, and everyone was very supportive. My parents have finally become accustomed to it, and me and my sister bonded because she was a lesbian. Well, good for you. You've got a supportive family. Um. Well, over the quarantine, I finally got around to do the deed with some dude from a school in my district. Got busy, and I'll spare you the details. But it was one of the most unenjoyable experiences of my life. I struggled to get my soldier at attention for like 20 minutes. It was bad on it. Um, to make sure that it wasn't just this guy, I tried again with another Same thing happened, and so I've come to the conclusion. I'm not gay. So to be out absolutely sure i slept with a girl and it was an actually enjoyable experience and that's when i was sure now do i tell everyone how do i tell everyone i'm not gay without sounding like i'm in denial i think the important thing is that be attracted to people of the other sex it doesn't mean you want to have sex with them that you're gay right you know you could be bisexual um he might have had anxiety dudes yeah and not with but the then he did with the woman oh 
Maybe yeah. he's maybe he's heterosexual, but he's bi romantic. I guess that could be a possibility here. Might, he might also be more into women. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I'm, um here's what you do, dude. Here's what you do. You say, Hey, you know how one day people realize that they're gay? This is that but the opposite. That's what you do. That's what you say. I mean, like that covers all the bases, you would think. And it just that's the proof of the situation from what you told me. That hey, yeah. I I thought I was gay. I tried having sex with a man and I didn't like it. I'm I guess I'm not gay. Or you could just be like I'm attracted to like I'm attracted to both sexes. Like I thought I was just attracted to men, but I'm attracted to both. Because obviously there was some sort of attraction for him to pick out a man and go to the point of like, you know, whatever jerk and all. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, whatever. you would assume, right? I mean, I would imagine that the guy is just, just goes to the bar and is like, hey, let's go have sex. Yeah. Imagine like, that's not what's happened. I've seen and been like, whoa, that guy's like super attractive. You know, you, like I've had like, guy crushes but mm. i never ever ever wanted to have sex with them, ever yeah like like never. i i think i i totally agree i think like the you know the classic example would be like i think brad pitt is very handsome but yeah. i don't have a desire to have sex with brad i mean you know I'll, i i have some questions about that but you have some questions about that, Nixon? Yes. Well, ask away. This is the advice section. Oh, am I asking a question now? I just got to adjust this again. Okay. We're kind of doing this. Uh... My friend says he's not into Brad Pitt. I don't believe him. What should I do? <laughs> I'm saying that you're not into Brad Pitt. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what I'm saying what? either. I don't know where I was going with that. Let's just forget about it. Okay. I didn't have much to say about that. It seemed like a pretty simple situation. Just don't care what people, yeah, you don't have to label what, yourself. I, you, exactly. If you want to put a label on things, then just be honest. But, but who cares? I, it Nobody cares. Like he does want to label himself, though. So I would just be honest. Hey, I tried it. I didn't like it. I'm trying this now, and I want to be called this. Now. It's also nobody's business. So. Yeah. So also because you're. I mean, I'm sure you guys are straight, like me. Like we're yeah. we're just like straight guys. Like maybe this person should talk to someone else. You know, who's maybe like maybe another gay man and be like, look, like this is what's happening, and like just see if, what what would be a good way to do that. Because I, I guess I really don't know because I don't have any experience in that. It's like, I don't know. Like, and the good news for him is that obviously his family was supportive of him being gay. It's not like they're going to turn around and be like, oh, you lied to us. You're passed out of the house. They're going to be, if, if they were cool about you being gay, they're going to be cool about you saying that, hey, I'm not gay anymore. Gotcha. Maybe pulled the trigger on the coming out of the closet too quickly. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how old. 
person was. You know, because when um, you're younger and going through puberty, you have weird feelings. You know, you don't know how to understand a lot of stuff. You know, I, I, I really don't. I mean, he said he was 14 when he came out. He said he was 14 when he came out the closet, and he's 18 now. So you're still you're still very hormonal at that time. You still like I when I was 13, I there were times that I thought I might because you just you're very hormonal. You don't know any better. An awkward time. 14 yeah. is an awkward fuck. <laughs> Definitely. So I I think that's. You tell it like it is. People respect the honesty. I don't really, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what angle he's coming at because it doesn't sound like he's worried that people won't accept him. I guess he just, he, the way he said, like, I, I, I don't want people to think I'm in denial. I don't think anybody's going to think you're in denial. I think, I think he's all right. Especially right now, I think for a lot more accepting. Of that, mm-hmm. no more than previously, I guess. I know you know there's there's those crazy people who are not accepting of it at all. But I think I think generally, if your parents are that understanding of you coming out of the closet, they'd be that understanding of you maybe saying like, "I thought, but I'm thinking right now, maybe I'm not, or maybe I'm a little bit." And you're absolutely right about like it's a it's an easier time for that now where um you know it just just ten, fifteen years ago it still was gay marriage was still only approved of by like I think like thirty percent of the country and now it's like seventy percent. So it's just just in the public eye, people are a lot more accepting of it now, so of of being open about it. So and you know, I think I think you're going to be all right, dude. You know? so that, I think that does it for advice. Cool, good, because we only have ten percent battery yeah. left, so that's all I have left for the day. I only have about ten percent battery left, so we filled well, up two cards. Thing good thing that the show was about done. Yeah, we've been going for about uh, two hours, so gonna be hell. It's gonna be hell trying to get this out by Monday. <laughs> oh, but it, it'll be a great conversation for people, though. Yeah, Brian, you you had the longest Zarcast episode, and you've now had the longest this episode of this show. Yes, your your episode was that, the longest. People, I'm interesting. Like, what is what is the listening ratio on the on the? It was podcast? so long ago. I, I don't know. I have no idea, bro. It was so long ago. <laughs> you have to let me know because I I always wonder if like people think I'm interesting or if they get like halfway through. Fuck this I mean, it's I like can tell you. I'll, I'll tell you if our episode, if your episode is popular, um, it'll it'll depend on how many people listen. Uh, Mark's episode is so far around our most popular. I mean, relatively, but you know, because Mark's interesting. Well, I, I find hard, you interesting. That's why we're having you here. So. It's hard. To, it is. It's hard to compete with Mark. I mean, it is. It is very hard to compete with Mark. Nobody's interested in Mark. The man. Yeah. Mark's done some real shit. He's had a life. You know, like, remember the Dos Equis, most interesting man in the world? <laughs> like, that was based on Mark Karanseha. Oh, I mean, my God. He was the inspiration for that. Don't, don't boost his ego anymore. He doesn't need any more ego. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll boost. I'll boost um, until I can't boost anymore. 
I love I love Mark. Mark's a- yes, he <laughs> is. Brian, where can the people find you on the internet? If you want them to find you. Do you want them to find you? I mean, they can if they want to, if you tag me in this, you know. Should we just, should we tag your, uh, your VHS page? You tag both of them. Tag my VHS page. Tag my Okay, so if you want to follow Brian, follow us on Instagram at Children's Programming, and we'll, uh, we'll tag Brian in the post. Send me a uh, send me a good photo of you too. I want to put it in the uh, in the thumbnail. Make it exotic. I'd like exotic photos. Exotic, like yeah. go exotic. Like even a retro photo is fine with me. You know, very uh, very professional, very uh, astute. Is that a word? Yeah. So. I think we should go with one of those. Nine- I think we should. Short. I think we should go with one of those. If you can find one, let me know. Throw some okay, nice okay. Macbeth speakers on there. Yes. <laughs> Great. Yes. Nick Parodies, where can the people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Parodies. Um, Don't follow I'm on him on Snapchat. Snapchat. At Nick Parodies, <laughs> if you wanna, you wanna see my um, the weird texts I get from this large big company that somehow I thought you didn't I thought you didn't want the people to follow you on Instagram or um what's that I thought you didn't want the people to follow you on Snapchat I don't but if you track me down then what good am luck I finding really him yeah I mean all you have to do is type in my name and the account will probably pop up I don't have to follow you back I will not Snapchat you back but you can find me at BLU Zodiac Pictures on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere else. Um, follow us, as I said, at Children's Programming on Instagram, uh, CHI Programming everywhere else. Um, I am Matt Dixon. That is Nick Terrico. No, not Nick. That is Nick Parodies. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting confused here. Okay. I am Matt Dixon. That is Nick Parodies. And that is also Brian Labuda. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, Brian. Always a pleasure. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us, and uh, we will definitely have you on again soon. Cold, cold.